0: no shortage of opinions out there on the right approach to being an effective leader in the world of business. But is there really one constant key to success? According to our next guests, there is. It's all about having the best team. Jack and Susie Welch are two of the leading strategic minds in business today. Jack Welch is the legendary former CEO of General Electric, under his leadership, GE's market value increased from $12 billion in 1981 to $280 billion in 2001. Susie Welch is well known for being the editor of Harvard Business Review. Her book, 10-10-10, A Life-Transforming Idea, is a New York Times bestseller. This power couple co-authored two international New York Times and Wall Street Journal best-selling business books, titled, respectively, winning, and the real-life NBA.
1: Is I've always thought of business as a game. And the team with the best players wins. Nothing else you write strategy crap, you can write all this stuff over and over again. You get the best players, you win. It's no different than football, baseball, soccer, you pick it.
0: At an Ivy Ideas night in New York City, they sat down with members to share famous insights on management, growing a business, and dominating the competition. During their talk, Jack and Susie went above and beyond to emphasize the importance of collaboration. They believe that a team has to work together, and positively, in order to achieve truly great success. Please enjoy our conversation with Jack and Susie Welch. You're listening to the Ivy Podcast by Ivy, the social university. We are the grad school for life, and our mission is to spark world-changing collaborations by introducing you to the most inspiring people, ideas, and experiences in the world. For more information about the Ivy community and to find out about events happening near you, visit ivy.com and email us at membership at ivy.com. This episode of the Ivy Podcast is brought to you by Verst. What if WordPress, Google Analytics, and Medium had a baby? That baby would be Verst, the first and only website platform built for the unique needs of professional publishers. Hailed by TechCrunch as the blogging platform with all the optimization tools you need, Verst makes it easy for you to design, manage, and optimize your website. No plugins, coding, or professional help needed. You can even harness the power of machine learning to help you get more signups, purchases, or whatever your business relies on. Anyone can try Verst free for 30 days, and Ivy podcast listeners get an extra 20% off their first two months with code Ivy. Additionally, the first 10 Ivy listeners to sign up for a paid membership will also get a personal design consultation with Verst.
2: Welcome. So to get us started, what would be great is if briefly both of you can talk about your personal story, where you're from, and specifically touch on one experience, one very challenging experience, that you would say made you who you are. (laughs) (laughs) How about meeting?
3: Yeah, meeting each other. That was one. (laughs) Well, go ahead. Why don't you go ahead with
1: your personal? Story. Well, you were in
3: this. Yeah, I mean, well, I I, 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 I'm from, I'm from Portland, Oregon. That's the my, beginning of my personal story. Is there anybody in this room from Oregon? Oh, there are, <laughs> Hey, uh, we uh, never get one neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a first. We've just been on a 21-city book tour. That's about the first time I've ever gotten that. So, um, I, I'm a journalist by trade, and then I, uh, I was assigned in the middle of my um, career as a journalist and when I was in. It was not the middle, but I was in my late 20s, and I was assigned to cover business, and I went to my first press conference with business, and I did not understand a single word that was being said. So I thought, gee, maybe I should go to school for this. And I ended up at Harvard Business School. And then life went on from there. And I went to Bain. And uh, life bumped along. And, and all was well. And then I uh, went to go interview the CEO of General Electric. And my life took a very large <laughs> left turn, because <laughs> I got canned when we ran off together. But uh, and so <laughs> True story, um, and, uh, and 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 we lived happily ever after. After I picked myself off the, off the floor, and uh, and uh, we've been uh, writing books together, and, and columns, and doing a whole bunch of other things since then. It's all good.
2: Amazing.
1: And my Harvard Business School experience was uh, what year was that? You were there this, last year.
3: What Eighty eight. Eighty eight. Yeah.
1: 88. Uh, Susie's name at the time was. Wettlaufer, W-E, and my daughter's name was W-E, Welch, W.L.C.H., and they sat next to each other when I came and spoke. Yep. But little did we know. <laughs> little did we know that we'd end up at this point. And so that, that's the beginning of, of a 15-year relationship we've had. I, I've been lucky as hell. If I have one trait that has served me well and I've won with is I've always thought of business as a game, and the team with the best players wins. Nothing else, you can write strategy crap, you can write all this stuff over and over again. You get the best players, you win. It's no different than football, baseball, soccer, you pick it. And my whole life has been not always right, but always trying to build the best team. Not always right by any means. And if I have an attribute, it's more than, 60 CEOs today in, G- in the in the country that work for me directly, and they're out there running Boeing. They're out there running Honeywell. They're out there running um, uh, Home Depot. All kinds of companies, big and small. None of them are running Apple or Google, though. So I must admit that. <laughs> and uh, so we're in a, we're in a game where. I really believe that who you surround yourself with, uh, Barry mentioned the spark, but who you surround yourself with, the reflected glory of their work is what gets you promoted, not your hand-raising or pumping personally. (laughs) So you build a great team, you'll win the game.
2: Right. So on that note, so we have a room full of young leaders here uh, across a whole range of – I leaders. thought this was a dating site. I didn't think oh. it was a <laughs> – well, I didn't
1: yeah, think this was a leader. Very attractive group of oh, young yeah. leaders. I met them on the way in. <laughs> God, if I were only in the, at this age, we, we, well, we, we never
3: had a gimmick like you found, Barry. Uh, <laughs> As soon as we saw it, we immediately texted our son, who's 22, said, come here. immediately. <laughs> so.
2: He's very good looking. <laughs>
3: and smart. <laughs> nice.
2: All right. Um.
3: <laughs> He's not here yet.
2: Yeah. So it's a chair. Yeah, our members, on average, it's 31. So given the cities we're in, that means 70% of them are single, and then the other 30% are in relationships or okay. married. Um, but the idea is, you know, obviously over time, hopefully a lot of great matches happen, whether that's in relationships or in business. But well, smart people meet each other. That's Absolutely. Great. Absolutely. Great. I'll give you a plug on that. No, oh, we love what you're doing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So as I was saying,
3: <laughs> not, room full it's of not the, the way he expected it to go. Okay, go back one. Perfect. perfect. Right. Um, yeah.
2: So we have a room full of young leaders, and whether it's in not-for-profit and entrepreneurship or internal leadership positions, and I think one thing that we reflect on very regularly is, you know, if you really had to distill it, you know, what makes a great leader? It's kind of like a cliche question, but if you could define for us, like, what? What, how do you see like that word leadership? What does it mean? And if you had to pick three key factors of what makes a great leader, what would you say um, they are? Uh, well, without question, uh, the biggest thing that I've
1: found over the long time, and Susie and I have worked a lot on this subject. We've written three books about it. And we finally distilled it down to one of the great attributes is a generosity gene. Now, think of who you've worked for all your life, all of you. You've worked for stingy sons of guns who have stolen your ideas. You've worked for people who had your back, who made you feel good in the soul with praise and in the wallet with cash, who really were with you. And who would you go to war with? It's those people. So why wouldn't you be one of those people? Why wouldn't you always be out trying to be the best of who you work for? that you've seen somebody generous of spirit with great empathy who really had your back and wanted you to grow and succeed i always thought the people who promoted others and who bragged about i got three of my people promoted were the stars and that really is an enormous trait that if you listen to it i talked to these kids uh, I, i was at harvard Two weeks ago, or three weeks ago—I don't know what the hell it was—and I was I know, at, it's, it's all blur now. And I was at MIT, and we were talking to these kids, and they oh, we're going out in- interviewing now. Barry, you got out ten years
2: ago. Uh, five years. Five That's years. Not my reunion. Yeah. It's. It, 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 I'm very wise. So. No, 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 no. It's our joint hairstyles, so <laughs> maybe do. Yeah,
1: <laughs> but 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 I it's do think. But every kid I talked to <laughs> thought of himself as, where are you working? I'm working at Apple, I'm working at Google, I'm working at LinkedIn, I'm going to here and there. And it's almost peer pressure to come back with one of those brands right now. And I asked him, did you ask any questions about who were the last three people that got promoted that were my age, five years plus? What characteristics did they have? What character did they have? Were they Were Were they empathetic? Were they good to their p- peers? What were they like? But nobody asked that question. I said, how many of you asked that question? I said, you're going to have a degree. You're an MBA. Did you ask about the culture? <laughs> no, no, no. No culture discussion. Well, the culture of where you go counts a lot. Now, some of you are old enough now to know that. But coming out of school, those kids aren't even looking at that. But that is, you want to hang out with people you like, people that are fun, people that are doing all that stuff with you. Not some stiffs over here or somebody else over here that's being a husband's neck so uh, that's one characteristic a generosity gene now Susie we're allowed to a gene we
3: just don't know if it's a gene Okay, <laughs> I think that along with the so we call it the generosity gene because it is just this incredible propensity the way it, when you have a gene that you're sort of programmed to be generous of spirit you know, promoting people wanting them to grow being really psyched when they succeed never feeling like them getting good is in any way diminishing to you and so I think that that That's a really strong leadership trait that we identify and we talk about in the book. But the other one is that um, we think that when you're a leader, you have to think of yourself as a chief meaning officer, a chief meaning officer. And I think that it doesn't make any difference if you've got five people working for you or 50 or 500. The idea that part of your job is making sure that every person understands, the meaning of the work, the purpose of it, how it fits into the whole and connects it to something bigger than just sort of, you know, a, a bunch of tasks. And to really think to yourself, you know, am I giving meaning? To the people who work for me, because I, I, the, I realized when I was hiring for HBR that the most powerful thing I could say when I really was trying to steal away the very best people was, please come work with us and help us change the world. And this is how we're doing it, and just to give meaning. So I think that's another, another quality of leaders.
1: Let me actually... Um... And the reason for that, the reason why you need that today is Gallup runs a poll every uh, three months. And they pulled 12,000 American professionals, professionals. And they asked them, how many of you are engaged in your work? You like your work? You like going to work? You feel it's exciting? It turns you on? It's it's an integral part of your life? Well, they get, since the 2008 recession, they don't get over 35% who feel that way about their job. 65% are not engaged Imagine that. And every quarter it doesn't change much. Changes a point, maybe, or two. But think if you got a football team or a baseball team and you got 65% of your team say, I'm not playing. I'm not hanging out there. What a hell of a problem you've got winning. And winning is the whole game. Winning is everything. Winning's very good. All good things come from winning. All good things come from winning. Better jobs, better creation for other people. All kinds of opportunity comes from winning. And you can't do it with 65% of your team lying on the sidelines. That's why Susie's point of giving meaning, purpose to work is critical. It's critical. Otherwise, people are coming in and getting a check. And you're not getting... That fun, that camaraderie, that winning—the win, winner's locker room with the champagne, or the loser's locker room with the towel around your head—where, right. where, where do you want to hang?
2: Absolutely. I, so, on this point, we're Ivy's a small organization, and so, and obviously, given what we do, you know, we love people. We're all about, you know, being nice, thinking about yeah. the, like the the more positive aspects, right? Right. Um, one thing I've always reflected on in myself, like, since we're in a room full of friends here, I can share very openly, I've always wondered, you know, am I, for example, um, too nice? Because, you know, sometimes a business does take a certain level of ruthlessness. It takes um, unforgivingness on certain different things. Um, so it's this dilemma where, you know. Did you, you say, what,
3: ruthlessness? Ruthlessness. No, no, no,
2: it never takes that. It never takes, because no. sometimes when you look at different figures, it seems like you know there are people who are you know. For example, it's not enough that. Um they're winning. They also want to crush the competition. Right. They want to eliminate them altogether. And certain characteristics, and internally too. Um,
3: but those are yeah. bad people, and and they and they don't belong, <laughs> <laughs> and they don't belong in business. And they'll wash out. They and they should wash out. I mean, I think business requires a certain amount of um, candor about what the numbers are telling you, and a lack of sentimentality. Like there is no last best deal. I mean, and 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 a, and a certain amount of sort of facing reality. In fact, a lot of facing reality. This person is simply not working out, and we need to. Love them out the door. We need to help them find you know, and lo- you gotta love them on the way. You love them. Remember that. I mean, in. Don't ever forget that. When you loved them on the way in, you gotta love them on the way out, help them find a new job. But that kind of okay, so you can call that ruthless, but we we call that sort of loving candor and and, and facing reality. So but love
1: them on the way out as much as you love them on the way in. Remember that one and remember that a severance dollar is the cheapest dollar you'll ever spend. You build a friend you build a customer, you build a relationship builder. All those things happen when you treat people on the way out the right way. I mean, we had to get rid of it in in, in G years ago. I'm now involved with 24 private equity companies, but we in G in the early days in the 80s, we had to let a lot of people go. But the one thing we had, my predecessor left me with a big fat balance sheet. So we could take that money and we could take care of people on the way out. And that is what you, you own it. Every person that leaves that works for you, you own. Not somebody. E- even if you inherit them, even if you get the job and somebody else had put them there, you own them. And your job is to love them on the way out as much as you love them on the way in. And a severance dollar is the cheapest dollar you'll ever spend. Have you ever seen a, 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 a newspaper headline that said, happy whistleblower reports? <laughs> <laughs> No, it's always disgruntled employee got treated badly. It's, there was a way. I mean, all you do is cause trouble.
2: Don't get near it. Absolutely. So it's So, are, so are you yeah. too
3: nice? No, probably not.
2: No, I mean it's great. To, <laughs> it's good to hear. It's definitely inspiring to hear, also coming from. From you two uh, to hear this, because I do think that there are a lot of people here, especially in this generation, where like it's all about creating meaning. The yeah. competition for talent isn't just about the dollars and pennies anymore, but also much more about like everybody wants to make make a better world to really have a direct impact. So as managers too, it's good to hear that like the generosity gene is the first thing that you mentioned. It's definitely very inspiring. Um, so, there's one thing which is you know, how to lead people and leadership, but then there's the organizational dynamics. So zooming out to a macro level. So we talked about great leaders. What about great organizations? What are, if you had to name three factors, that set them apart? Um, they, they, <laughs> without question, they have a well-defined
1: culture. Culture counts. I mean, you, you can look at spreadsheets for the rest of your life. And they don't tell you how you're going to do it. Let's take an acquisition. The numbers always look good. Who would ever show up with a number that didn't look great and pitch the deal? I mean, the residual value, you change the number of the residual value, and the deal looks great. But you got a bunch of horses' asses running the company. And so you're stuck. Culture, your, the culture of the company you're buying has to fit your culture. Nothing is worth that. I bought in 1991, I think it was, an investment bank called Peabody. Uh For 17 months, and, and our, our values in G at that time were share ideas, boundaryless culture, grow people, create winners, all these values that we had for our culture. Uh, hate bureaucrats Hate bureaucracy and the bureaucrats of practice and We had that in print. Hate it. Hate those fat books. Hate those PowerPoint slides that numb you to death. All those things. And yet, we bought Kiddie PBD and it looked wonderful. I had bought by 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 that time hundreds of companies and I was feeling like I was six foot four with hair. So I was out <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I was out buying everything. And I bought this company, and the numbers looked great. Until we got in there. Now, the kid of Peabody, investment, how many investment bankers are here? Because I'm about ready to insult it, okay.
3: you. Ten people have admitted it. Good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, an investment banking culture is generally my bonus, my bonus, my bonus. And we, we couldn't manage it. It was always somebody doing so. Not that their culture was wrong. It just wasn't ours. And so I got called for 17 months out of 24 months, the dumbest guy in the world for buying Kuna We were on the front page. We blew it up at times. We sold it and made a lot of money in the end, but it wasn't worth 17 months of bad press. And But it gets right to the heart of culture. Culture beats strategy every day. Culture beats all these things. If you've got a team that's really sharing ideas and making, like if I could get the front row here, if I get the best of everything you knew and stick it in this head or in Susie's head, we would end up so much smarter than we are right now. So the challenge, all of you, is to get more people's brains in the game sharing more ideas and
3: learning from each other like crazy. And the thing is that some cultures encourage that and some don't. And you know right now, thinking about your own company, whether or not that happens. And I think going up to 20,000 feet again and thinking about Great companies. Some companies are yes companies and some companies are no companies. And again, you know, if you work in a yes company or no company where the answer to everything is no, we don't do it that way. No, so and so won't allow it. No, and you know, and then there's other companies where a new idea comes or, or there's a different way of doing something and, and, and there's a, and there's a propensity towards yes. I mean, that's also, that is part of this culture that Jack is talking about. You know very well what defines your, your culture. It really does come down to what what behaviors are celebrated, and what behaviors are are not.
2: And if you were to kind of think about the past 20 years, and I'm looking ahead 20 years, what are some things that, have, that are definitely going to be changing, and what are some things that will never, ever change, in your view, when it comes to leadership organizations and business? Well,
1: everything's faster. Everything is more global. Uh, disruptions occur at the snap of a finger and it's going to be faster. And what won't change is having an open, candid culture where all these traits we just talked about count. Fielding the best team. I mean, it get, I, I've got, we've had 78 companies that I've been managing in the last 15 years after GE. It's true, I'll guarantee you it's true. If you get the stars in place and you get an open culture, we had no busts in the 2008-9 recession. None of those. And these were private equity companies that are broken when you buy them. So you have to fix them from broken wheels. But if you get a team in place that wants to play in an open, constructive way, you can knock anything. Look what you guys have done. You you said you had 10,000 members. Look what you've done in a couple of years. Okay. And it's That's, all about the
3: team, right? It's I mean, all about the team.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it, absolutely. this is not brain surgery. This really isn't. This is about smelling good talent and
3: good people. It's, it just is it. And, you know, sometimes what happens is you carry a person on your team, especially if you're in a small company with a small team, and you carry somebody who's not great, who's not carrying his or her weight. And, you know, you just you, most times people wait and wait and wait to ask those people to move along and find a place where they fit better, and it really drags you down. I mean, the reason And they're thinking, why are you so dumb?
1: <laughs> no, they are. Every, everybody in this room can draw a curve of the best people, the medium, the okay people, and the bad people that you work with. Everyone. Now you'll do it in private. <laughs> you'll do it in your kitchen. You'll do it at night. You'll, you'll do it at a bar. bar yeah. yeah. You'll do it anywhere.
3: But, but. And you wonder why the organization is carrying the people who are, who are not carrying their weight and who are, and you, and it's frustrating to you. And you wonder about it. And, but so that's why we're stressing the importance of people because it, it sounds so obvious, and yet every organization carries people who everyone agrees are not, uh, not part of the team, not helping, not, are, not, are not bringing you forward.
2: Right. And, Jack, yeah. you had the famous policy, right? 2070. 10. Yeah. Would you like to talk about that? Yeah. I mean,
1: and the funny thing is I was in Boston about, uh, again, four weeks ago, right? Uh, and we had a discussion with the owner of the Red Sox and the head of the Boston Globe, the editor of the Boston Globe. And the subject was baseball and business which in my mind are the same. And uh, a guy from the back of the room gets up. They love to do this. Uh, somebody here p- might be ready to do this now. Tell me about the bottom 10%. Tell me why you focus on the bottom 10%. I finally decided after 15 years of going through, you train them, you show them, you try and take them through the bottom 10, why they're in the bottom 10. You give them a nice exit, love them on the way out. I said, why the hell aren't you asking me about why the top twenty isn't thirty. Why aren't you focusing on the other end of the game? I should have done that fifteen years ago, because I've been in there defensively talking with the bottom ten. Why are we right of the bottom ten? You don't think when you, if you're a Yankees fan or a Red Sox fan, you don't open up the page and say he's batting one sixty. Let's keep him. <laughs> you're all trading them in the morning. You're trading them. But what's different about that? It's transparent. Because the newspaper shows you every morning what the batting average is, what the ERA is, what the football passing percentage is. All those are transparent. So we're all experts. Who should stay? Who should go? Is CeCe Sabathia done? Or is he still in the game? Is 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 Alex, is A-Rod going to come back? We can all talk about that. We can look at the numbers. But at work, don't ever do that. Don't ever think that's crazy. <laughs> it's absolutely crazy. Let everybody know what they're well, gonna Let's try it here. How many people in this room, raise your hand, Know exactly where you stand in your business, where what your boss thinks about you, what you think your career is, where it's going. You know exactly what's happening with you.
3: With your career. With your career. How many people know exactly where they stand? Raise your hand. We've done this all around the all around the world. This is about right. About five percent? Yep. Now imagine
1: that. Now is that sinful or what? You gotta be ashamed of yourself if you're a manager. I'd be ashamed of yourself if you're leading people and they don't know
3: where, where they stand. We have a story about this. So we really, really strongly believe that if you're a boss, I don't know how many of you are bosses, where you are in your careers, if you're a boss, it is your moral obligation to let your people know where they stand, for better or for worse. Have candid conversations at least, bare minimum, twice a year where we say, this is what is good about you and this is where you need to improve. So our daughter, who's 25, just about to be 26, uh, goes out to L.A., to start her business, uh, her, her career in the entertainment business, and she's um, going along. She has a, a what is, would sound to you like a great job at a big, well-known company, and she does not know how she, where she stands, has no idea, and she thinks she's doing well on some days when her boss is in a good mood, but when her boss is in a bad mood... We I, get a call! Oh, uh, yeah. and uh, <laughs> More calls than you know about. <laughs> so there's lots and lots of calls and lots of texting. And I don't know if it's me or if he's in a bad mood. I don't know. You know, is he in a fight with his husband? I don't know what's going on, blah, blah, blah. And she, you know, rides the roller coaster of her boss's moods. So a Christ- last Christmas, she calls us and she's completely ecstatic because she has received a raise in her pay stub, okay? So she's, I got a raise. I got a raise. We're like, that's great. In Everybody, her pay stub. In her pay stub, okay? They don't tell her her face. She sees it in the pay stub. So we said to her, Why'd you get? Did they tell you why you got the raise? Oh God, no, 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 no! And was well, you got to go in and you got to find out why you got a raise. No, 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 no! Terrified to ask the boss why she got the raise, because this is the kind of culture where you don't know where you stand. So finally, you can you imagine having us as parents, finally she <laughs> <laughs> finally she goes in, because she, we knew we, we were not going to let it go, and she sneaks into his office and basically God knows what it looked like, <laughs> and she asks him, you know, why did I um, get this raise, you know, and he looks up at her and says, Merit.
1: What the he hell do you do it. with Merit?
3: Period. <laughs> Period. <laughs> And she goes, OK, thank you. And then she calls us, and she's thrilled to tell us the word is merit. And we said, well, you know, that, that's great, dear. So you know, she, since, <laughs> she since then has actually gotten a promotion. So obviously, she's doing something right, but has no idea where, what she is doing right. And that's, I mean, we're happy she loves her job in general. She loves the business. But it's, when, you know, as I often say to her, um, when you're a boss, what does this teach you? When you're a boss, you must let your people know where they stand. And she said, I will, I will, I will.
1: And the line that's used as a cop out by way too many managers: "I'm too kind to tell people when they're having, when they're not making it, or they're not doing well. I'm too kind. You're not kind. You're a cruel coward. That's a you are, You're a cruel coward because you owe it to those people who get up every morning and come to work to know where they stand." And what you think of them, what their career looks like, what their trajectory might be or not be, it's the only way to lead an organization.
0: Thanks again for tuning in to the Ivy Podcast by Ivy, the social university. We are the grad school for life, and our mission is to spark world-changing collaborations by introducing you to the most inspiring people, ideas, and experiences in the world. Check us out at ivy.com for life-changing advice and gatherings and the foremost thought leaders shaping our world today. For more information about the Ivy community and to find out about events happening near you, visit ivy.com and email us via membership at ivy.com. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, subscribe and rate us on the podcast platform of your choice. Dream big and stay inspired.